listening to Draw Near with Fred and Kara. And for today's topic, we have a fun one. Uh, we sort of like leaked the title of it a while ago. We did, yes. And we were kind of like, I was kind of like, we need to do this soon or someone's going right. to steal our really awesome title. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'll be a fun one. And I also feel like we have to kind of approach it like it's a fun one because otherwise it's just a really heavy topic. <laughs> it is. It's a clickbait title the let's, title let's is. be honest kara it, but it's a good one and, right and it totally makes sense once we get into the topic yeah so obviously very you can, provocative title obviously you can read right. the title like we could yeah. just tell you what it is and i don't know bonus points because we're normally really bad at naming things yeah you know this was the fruit of a really good car discussion about right. the four last things yeah and we're like oh we should totally call right an episode that so i think the best evidence of we really struggle with naming episodes sometimes is saints karate and holy week we did that episode <laughs> it's like well it says what That's it is what it is yeah but yeah. but i also think it's fitting kara because like at the heart of what we're talking about today be a saint or go to hell i think in a sense there's that meaning that you and i have as friends we've mm-hmm. talked a lot about how we just want to be saints right and we just want to help others become saints that's really what we're after. And you know how people use that phrase, go to hell, like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, there's like, a double uh, meaning mm-hmm. to hell with everything mm-hmm. else, mm-hmm. you know? So there is that double meaning in there. It's the feistiness right. coming it out. Is. Too. It's feisty care, but also a feisty Fred, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is in a way saying like being a saint is the most important thing. Right. Right. And the opposite of being a saint would be Going, to, going hell. to hell, sure. So yeah. the, the, the title totally <laughs> right. makes sense. Right. Right. So we get to talk about uh, exactly that. We're talking about the four last things. So it won't just be heaven and hell, but the four last things um, in the church is death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And purgatory isn't one of the four last things, but it goes with the topic of heaven. So mm-hmm. if you've ever been curious about purgatory, we'll talk about that too. So stick around for that. Yeah. I feel like this topic is kind of like one of those things that I do get feisty on. Man, mm-hmm. I've been really feisty the You've last several episodes. Maybe it's just because you pointed out for we me. You need a playlist like <laughs> Kara's feisty playlist. I probably have been feisty from the beginning. You just now are like pointing it out to people. Right. So I'm like self-conscious about it. <laughs> but this is probably one of those topics where I do feel like um, I kind of get on a soapbox, which I'll try not to get on in this episode and ha- have it actually be like informative and helpful and transformative for your life. But I really get on get on a soapbox with this and get really passionate, maybe maybe even feisty a little bit, because I feel like um, this specific topic was so instrumental in like my own deeper conversion. Mm-hmm. So I've talked a little bit about um, kind of like what my conversion was, and we talk about that in, in the episode, Why Are You Catholic? Mm-hmm. But even after a lot of those like the big conversion and then and then mini conversions along the way i still felt like i was like in a stagnant relationship with christ and even in my prayer life and like we talked about you know during covid when mass was taken away it really shocked me back to like mass was how i was a catholic mm-hmm. and there that was really like all i was placing that that in was mass and not how i was living my life and it wasn't until listening to um, this series on the four last things, you actually put them, put me in contact with them, Fred, so you know this story. But it wasn't until I started listening to those that I just felt really, like, really, really moved. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. And if mm-hmm. this is what, like, this is what I'm made for, I want to I wanna do that. And I want to be in heaven with, 
with God. So please, like, please, God, help me to live a life like a saint. Right. And not be just this, like, yeah. stagnant, lukewarm Catholic. Right. And so I get really passionate about this. And I actually wrote a blog about it. If We'll link it in the show notes. So if you want to go look at it, it's called uh, Where is Hell? And I wrote a blog about this where I do get kind of passionate. It's basically like, okay, if if learning more about the realities of what comes after death, heaven or hell, mm -hmm. if learning more about that can provoke a deeper conversion and a deeper desire to live a life of holiness, why are we not talking about hell? Like that's the point of where is hell? Why are we not talking more about hell? Because nowhere, never in my entire life, still today, never in my entire life, have I ever heard a homily about hell? Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, Fred. Have you ever heard a homily about hell? I, at, since becoming Catholic, no, I have not. Right. Uh, on occasion, as a Protestant. Isn't that sad since yeah. becoming Catholic? <laughs> yeah, funny enough. Oh. On occasion, as a Protestant, I would hear sermons about that, yes. And yeah. and there would be those, uh, those sermons that would kind of slap you right upside the face mm -hmm. when you need it in a good way because let's be honest sometimes you, de you do need, need a good punch in the face yeah. <laughs> to get your act together and so I kind of appreciate that sometimes I do too you know so but yeah as a catholic I honestly have never mm -hmm. <laughs> heard it I've heard about heaven in a generic sense yes like on like on all saints day or something like that so um, but it's funny that you note that because the four, the series of four videos is Father Chad Ripperger. We'll we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. We might as well. And it's linked in my blog too, I believe. Right. It's it's a good series. It had the same effect on me. Mm. Um, as and that's why I sent it to you uh, because I'm like, oh, this might be good for you because it was good for me. Right. And so I scared the hell out of you. Is that right, Kara? Yeah, you scared the hell out of me. <laughs> that's such a pun. It that's is, such yeah. a dad joke, just like it is our a dad title. Joke, yeah. Just like our title. Scared the hell out of me. I yeah. like to scare the hell out of you a little every day, I think, Kara. There you go. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. So I feel like that's why I get passionate about it, because if it can just incite this conversion, why don't we talk about it? And I just, it does take a level of courage to be like, yeah, there's heaven, but there's also hell. We're not all just destined to automatically go to heaven. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this. So I don't know. I just really struggle with that because I feel like like you said, you've heard homilies about heaven and I've heard homilies about heaven, but mm -hmm. it's, it's spoken in a way that like, that's the only option. Yeah. In a generic way. Yes. Like, like everyone's mm -hmm. going to go there. And sometimes maybe I've heard one homily where it was a very passing comment. Hell is a real place. Mm -hmm. That's what I heard, which was, I was like, Ooh, Ooh, are you going to, and then not, nothing, nothing else yeah. came, but <laughs> yeah. still that yeah. was, that was good that to mention it, but I've heard it in even generic senses, like, you know, eternal, eternal light or darkness or there's suffering or, you know, an eternity away from God, but like never just outwardly saying we could go to hell. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And just having that courage to talk about it. So I, I really don't think Fred and I, our goal in this is to like, Sinners in the yes. hands of an angry God. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's not whatever. What we're after. Whatever, yeah. the, whatever that lecture was. Yeah, um, that's from his for, for the days. one or two Protestants that might have got what I just said. You're welcome for that. <laughs> yeah, like that's not our goal in this. Is to like just I don't know be this like sad talking about death and judgment right. and I think the whole goal is to just really bring to light the topic and talk about the realities that the church teaches after death because right. I think the more we the more we truly understand what could be awaiting for us, like that is what could push mm. all of us forward in holiness or it should. Yeah. It, it's funny because you have to start this conversation by talking about death. And I think that's, what's funny because you mentioned you haven't heard too many homilies about hell. Right. 
but we also like as as Christians, especially in our American culture, we spend very little time thinking about death, which is or ironic talking about it in the culture of death. <laughs> yes, it, it is very very ironic, mm. um, because it's the one thing that is inevitable. Yeah. I mean, as Americans, we recognize the phrase "death and taxes." I would add YouTube commercials to that, <laughs> but death is the fourth inevitable thing, right? Yeah. We we can't escape it, and yet. We spend so little time thinking about it or talking about it. Yeah. There's nothing we can do about it. Right. And yet one of the early church fathers that had a profound impact on me in my early days was St. Irenaeus, who was a disciple of a disciple of John, basically. Mm-hmm. And he said, the business of the Christian is to be ever preparing for death. Yeah. And that phrase just coming from a denomination that didn't really face suffering very well, that just rocked me a little bit. The mm-hmm. business of the Christian is to be ever preparing for death. Again, the ir- irony here is that to be focused on Christ is inherently also to be focused on our death. Yeah. It's inevitable because that's where we're, we'll find our ultimate union with him. Right. That's the thing we're looking forward to. The door to get there is, whether we like it or not, death. Right. A lot of saints had that same mentality. If you see in icons of saints, like a lot of times you'll see a skull in the picture Mm -hmm. with them. And this was because they all had this sense of recognizing our mortality. Right. And that one day life on this earth will come to an end because that's not what we're made for. This is our journey to eternal life. Right. Yeah. Kara, I don't know if I've shared this story, but it was this realizing that I was going to die Mm -hmm. is actually kind of what began my whole process of conversion. Um, Are you going to actually share the story? Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. Good. I don't know if you're thinking of the same one, because I wasn't aware that I told you this before, but maybe I have. Oh, you've told me a couple where you're going to die. I thought you were going to do the... Okay, never mind. (laughs) You've heard all the stories, probably. (laughs) So, um, But I remember one day I was driving home from work. late at night, country roads, really bad winter night. The roads were really dark, really curvy, really hilly. And there was just something on the radio that came on that night that kind of sparked my attention. And it was something about death. And then at that time, you know, it was sleeting, it was freezing rain, and it almost sounded like fingertips, like Mm -hmm. rapping on the windshield, Mm -hmm. you know. And that stood out to me at that moment. And I found myself reflecting on the fact that as I'm going up and down and around these curves, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to die and there's nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. It was almost like I've been placed on this roller coaster and at the end of the roller coaster is death and there's nothing I can do about it. I was can't, this pre-Christ? This is before Christ. Uh-huh. Um, there's nothing I can do about it. And it was like those icy fingertips of the sleet hitting the windshield mm-hmm. were death's fingertips, like mm, that's reminding <laughs> me that it's coming for me. And yeah. I don't know, that just, it was, I, I won't say it was a scary experience, although the way I just described it, it was, mm-hmm. but it was an awakening, awakening that it stirred a sense of f- the fear of death in me mm-hmm. that provoked my journey. Was it like a sense. healthy fear or not yet? It was, I think... I think it was more of just, I'm going to die. I need the answer. Yeah. I need help. Mm-hmm. I need what is supposed to happen at the end of this roller coaster called life. Right. I need to make sure I get there. Right. You know? Um, so I think it's what began my journey. Um, but 
again, that's what's so weird that we don't talk about this because mm-hmm. it's a thing we all have in common. Right. We're all going to die. Nothing we can do about it. Right. You know, it's the it's the concern of our hearts for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yet we don't talk about it. Right. You know, because we're so I think a lot of it is fear. Uh, we don't know what to expect. Yeah. Will we be alone? We don't want to be alone. Right. Uh, will it hurt? <laughs> you know, like the reality yeah. of in the moment or right. after the fact. Both. both. I think it's kind of a both. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so that's what stirred my heart. Yeah. To seek Christ, to seek, is that realization that, wow, I've been running my whole life, mm-hmm. and the Lord is chasing me. <laughs> you I, know. I like that. Um, so I think one thing that is that when we think about death, it can be kind of scary. I actually, I don't know if this is morbid or not to say, but I actually really like, like thinking about death because I think it just provokes like how I'm supposed to live today. Mm. And then the joy that I hope comes at the moment of death and like at the moment when I get to meet Christ. Right. You know what I mean? And so I feel, I like that, like thinking about your death provoked something to grow in you to seek truth because there's a scripture passage that talks about that like the the fruitfulness that can come from death. John chapter 12, it says, Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces much fruit or many seeds. And then it goes on to talk about uh, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Right. So it is talking about eternal life. So right. I think a lot of times we look at death as the end and something to fear, but death is just the start. Death right. is is where, you know, just like the grain of sand, it falls and bears fruit. And that's when something grows in us. Mm-hmm. So I love that, like, your contemplation of death grew that in you, that desire for yeah. Christ. and that is really actually kind of one of the points with death in yeah. a way. That's it, what happened to me too. Yeah. Death, death is his mercy in a way, uh, for one thing, because it helps us to ponder our own need for salvation. Mm-hmm. It helps. It's God's reality check, right. so to speak. It, it's it's God helping us to recognize we're not enough. Mm-hmm. We need more. We need him. Uh, but it's also a reminder that the things of this world are passing. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that gives life meaning ultimately is God himself, mm-hmm. the author of that life, the one that created us for himself out of love. That's where we find the meaning to life. Yeah, it reminded me of that passage. Um, Do not store up treasure in this life where moths and woodworms right. can destroy them. Yeah. This life is fleeting and, and what is to come is eternal life, not like the things that we build here. Right. And I think when we look at death like a blessing, mm-hmm. dare I say, a right. blessing, but it is. I think it really transforms what it can do in our life. It didn't always used to be a blessing. I'm going to get kind of biblical here, I guess, for a minute, which I think is actually necessary. When you're talking about death, judgment, heaven, and hell, there are so many teachings out there that Mm. can be contrary to what the Catholic Church teaches um, or so many misinterpretations of Scripture. So I think we have to be rooted in in divine revelation here. But I am going to get a little bit biblical. It didn't always used to be a blessing. Death actually entered the world as a consequence of our sin. Mm -hmm. And so I actually had a a former professor. um, He is kind of a nut for what's called the Society of Biblical Literature. I don't really know much about it, but he talks about it in like almost all of his lectures. (laughs) And they have this one yearly conference where it's like where a ton of biblical scholars come from multiple different denominations. Um, And this particular professor is very 
um, very much stresses the importance of getting multiple insights and how the Catholic Church speaks truth to that or counters that or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I appreciated his courses. But anyways, that's what this conference is. It's a bunch of scholars coming together and they talk about um, they talk about scripture and they talk about, you know, papers they've written and present on them and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he said he went to this presentation of somebody presenting on Genesis where, you know, God says, um, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And then, you know, what happens? The serpent comes and he says, you're not going to die. And then so they trust in the devil, not in God. And they mm -hmm. eat of the fruit um, and they sin. So that's what we call original sin. Well, this guy argued in his paper and presented it at um, Society of Biblical Literature. He argued that God is the one who lied, that the devil didn't lie to Adam and Eve. That was his argument mm -hmm. because the devil said, you will not die. And God is the one who said, you will die. And so I think it's kind of important to know like what the definition of death is mm -hmm. because there is a physical death and that's what this person was arguing right that they physically did not die so mm -hmm. death is uh is defined as the separation of our souls from our bodies so our immortal soul from our mortal body so in his argument it was you know god lied because they didn't immediately die mm -hmm. and i think it discounts what did happen right. that they spiritually died right because I, immediately mm -hmm. they are cast out of the garden right the they're, garden that's the image of naked and ashamed exactly yeah. they yeah. see their sin mm -hmm. they're cast away out of the garden which is this image of heaven and so they are spiritually cut off from the divine life of mm -hmm. god you know who would who was walking in the garden with them they could hear his voice directly and so they do immediately die but it's a spiritual death mm -hmm. but then even right after that that's in genesis 2:17 where he says if you eat of this you're going to die mm -hmm. And immediately after that, in Genesis 3, where, you know, he's giving kind of the punishment um, of what's going to happen, it says that you are dust and to dust you shall return. So because of their sin and then they're receiving the punishment and the consequence of their sin, they're going to become dust. They are going to experience physical death. Right. So Which wasn't the intent in the garden. Exactly. Yep. That wasn't the intention in the garden. So death initially was this consequence for sin. But because God became man and lived an entire life, was born, lived, and died just like we do, God himself did that for us. He redeems everything. And so death went from being this consequence of sin to being a blessing because right. Christ blessed it in his own death. Yeah. And that's actually why they're, I'm going drawing from that same St. Irenaeus again, but that's yeah. actually why they're removed from the garden because God didn't want them to live forever exactly. like they could in the garden exactly. in that same sinful state that they were in. He mm -hmm. didn't want that. So St. Irenaeus would say that in that case, God's mercy is yes. shown in death as well because it puts an end to the, the sinful capabilities of human beings. Right. Like there's a limit <laughs> to how how sinful you can be and how long you can be that. So it's in a way it's God's mercy for them as well. And for us. Yeah. Um, like we talk about, you know, God's punishment or consequence to that sin, but really the consequence was so merciful. Right. And so it wasn't, you know, something that we're supposed to fear and see him as like this angry, mm -hmm. angry God. It right. was out of love that he did that. Yeah. And he had a plan right from the beginning as Genesis three fifteen uh, makes clear. Um, 
talking about death as a mercy, another area where we see that is in the death of his saints. Right. So we see scripture says the, the passage is, I didn't think to look it up, <laughs> but precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. And I think that is one thing too, like it's not easy to live the faith well in a world that's opposed to it. Right. So you see a mercy in death in that the fight comes to an end for us and we go on to receive our reward. Mm-hmm. It's like St. Paul said in Second Timothy 4, 7 and 8, it's I fought the good fight of faith mm-hmm. and now my journey is done. I go on to be with the Lord. That is mercy. Right. That is the reward there. It's funny that that was the paper that was presented because I'm reminded of the words of St. John Paul II. Mm-hmm. He said, the real sin of Adam and Eve is thinking that they knew better than God. Right. Thinking themselves autonomous. Like, oh, God, you said that, but eh, we know better. Mm-hmm. You know, and we still see that. We still see that in the world today. Even when we talk about death in some ways, right. uh, we know better. Yeah. I'm a good person. Yeah. You know. Yeah, for which, sure. Which will be defined Maybe later. I don't know. To be a, what, what being a good person <laughs> What does a good person mean? Maybe that's another future episode. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in Christ, in his death, he conquers death and he makes it this great, this great blessing. And he's giving us, um, I think Romans 6, it calls it a free gift of eternal life. Mm. And so I think we're going to get more into like what, okay, what, does that gift of eternal life look like? Because it isn't, you know, an automatic assumption of heaven. But I do think that it's important to talk about this, this free gift because we hear this a lot in the church and in different denominations that like God gives us a gift. And I think that that's, that it's kind of important to talk about like, what is the meaning of a gift? Because to us, A gift is something where like, okay, I had a birthday or I had an anniversary and like someone gifts it to me and I don't have to do anything in return and nothing is expected of me apart from maybe like the occasional thank you card or something. But um, I believe it was Michael Gorman and I'll I'll do my best to find the book that um, I'm referencing here, but he actually talks about, he has this book where he dives into the, the ancient times understanding of a gift And it was that somebody would give you a gift and it very much was meant to be reciprocated. And if you couldn't reciprocate a gift, you gave that person honor or respect or glory. And this is actually how like families of higher stature or higher class came about. Like they would have gifted something to somebody and being poorer, they weren't able to reciprocate the gift. And so they would honor them. Mm -hmm. And so when you hear that word gift, and I talk about this in several episodes, how that's grace, grace means gift and Mm -hmm. it's, it's free and we don't do anything to deserve it. That is still true. We don't do anything to deserve it, but that doesn't mean it isn't expected to have a reciprocal nature. Mm. And so God gives us this beautiful gift of eternal life and we could never, ever reciprocate it. So what do we do? In return, we give him glory, we give him honor, and we give him ourselves and our lives. There's a response that's required. Exactly. And that response is how we choose to live our life. So I think I actually had a friend who she would write on absolutely like everything that she had, fight the good fight. So mm-hmm. that from, from the Timothy passage that you just read, fight the good fight. And so I think that is very much like how we give that gift back to God. He doesn't just give us the gift of eternal life. He gives us the gift of love, compassion, and mercy. Mm-hmm. And even in death, death is a mercy because we've given him our life. Amen. So I think um, that's a good transition to talk about judgment um, because what are we being judged on? 
how we lived our life. How we love. How we love. You'll be judged on how you love. No, that's what's fascinating about how we fight this fight, Kara. Yeah. It's with love. Yeah, I love that. I feel like judgment is kind of a hard topic to like talk about in the, mm-hmm. in like our world and in this culture. So judgy. I, yeah, exactly. Like I just think, I mean, you know, uh, Dr. Ed Street, he has that whole like study, who am I to judge? Yeah. I mean, a very Which clickbait topic. because Yeah, it, yeah it's a very yeah. good study, but it's a clickbait to- topic because that's a common question. Mm-hmm. Um, or even like when you are talking about controversial things, like that's the counter argument that you often get. Like, you know, you, you're not supposed to judge me or who, who are you to judge the things that I'm doing? And so before even getting into like the conversation of eternal judgment, I think we do have to talk about just, I'm just going to very briefly mention that in disagreeing with a person, you're not judging the state of their soul, mm-hmm. right? Just because you don't approve of a life choice, it's not a lack of charity. Actually, to, to tell them that a certain thing has a consequence is more charitable. Scripture actually talks about like if we don't if we don't have the courage to stand up for what is right and good and moral, like the consequence will be even greater for us. It's in Ezekiel um, chapter three. It says, "When I, the Lord, say to the wicked, you will certainly die, and you do not warn him or speak out to him to turn from his wicked way to save his life, that same evil man will die in his sin, but you." will be responsible for his blood. You see that theme a lot in Ezekiel with the watchman. Yes. That's a good point. Yes. And so like, it's not, it's not judging a person to talk about what is good and what is virtuous versus what is sinful because God is the one who tells us in Mm -hmm. scripture what is good and virtuous or what is sinful. I'm going to disclaimer your disclaimer. Okay. Kara. (laughs) Okay. And that's just to say that any of you that have been listening to Draw Near, Kara and I are both very, very open about the things we struggle with. Right. Sometimes I think some of our episodes, like half of the episode. <laughs> like, here are the ways I suck in life. <laughs> here's the way I'm a bad Catholic, yeah, Kara. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to tell the whole world. Yeah. You know, so to, to be clear, like I would hope you would not have that impression of us in even beginning this of discussion. Of being judgmental. Yeah. We're all at different places. Yeah. Uh, our goal is to love the Lord and to help others love the Lord and let's love the Lord together. That's right. really the point. Exactly. So, yeah. But to talk about like what is right or what is wrong, is it's often now conflated with judging a person. Mm-hmm. And I think this is like the most simplified analogy and maybe people won't like that. It's a simplified amount analogy, but like I am, you know, the mother of two. And like, if my daughter is throwing a tantrum because I'm asking her to share her toys, which is a phase right now. It's mm-hmm. super fun. It's a thing. She like stomps her foot. She's like, I don't get anything. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're a super deprived child. Now go to your room and play yeah. with your whole closet of toys. At um, least I so mad is no longer a thing. Yeah. I so Thanks mad. Used Daniel to be Tiger. Yeah. And from our house forever. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like if I am, you know, I don't agree with her pouting about that that doesn't mean I think she's a bad child it doesn't mean I don't love her it doesn't mean I'm judging her soul because I have told her that's not something we do that's not an okay reaction so I just think it's an important thing to talk about in our culture this mentality of of judgment and what judgment truly is because Mm -hmm. if you disagree with somebody you're not judging their soul but we do have a judge of the soul Mm -hmm. and that is where God comes in. And that is where, you know, after death, we do have judgment. Um, That does happen. And it's God who gets to do that and recognize where our soul is at. At a certain point, there has to be a right and wrong. 
Oh, yeah. Ask any thief if he likes to be stolen from. Right. You know, there is a right and wrong. Episode on absolute truth, maybe? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a tough one. <laughs> a much more creative title yet to come. Yeah. yeah. But um, so God is that is that judge of our soul. Actually, Christ, but to be more specific in the in the person of the Trinity. And we actually profess this in the creed at Mass. We say, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. So that actually gets at, there are two kinds of judgment. When we say he will come again to judge the living and the dead, the again points to the end of time. Mm -hmm. So the church teaches that there are two kinds of judgment, the final judgment, which comes at the end of time, and we'll talk about that. And then we'll get to the particular judgment. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why. I get really nerdy on both of these. That's fine. (laughs) Okay. Nerd out, Kara. You've got the next 10 minutes. Okay, great. Thanks. (laughs) So I'm going to hang out in scripture because I think that's the best place to talk about judgment. So um, I actually want to read in totality if Fred is not going to be super annoyed with me. I want to read a passage from Matthew 25, um, and I'm going to start in verse 31. I probably should have responded, or else people will think I'm really annoyed yeah, at you Yeah, he's super right annoyed now. with me right now <laughs> for, to read from the Bible. How dare you, Fred? <laughs> okay, so if you want to follow along with me, um, Matthew 25, starting in verse 31, and it's the judgment of the nations. When the Son of Man comes in glory... Okay, I'm not going to pause the whole time. I promise I won't. But just real quick, the Son of Man is the most common title that Jesus refers to himself throughout all of Scripture. I think that's important. Who does Jesus call himself? He calls himself the Son of Man, which points back to Daniel, the book of Daniel. But anyways, when the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand, but the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, O blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it to me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So this is a parable um, given about the final judgment and what is going to happen in the final judgment. The king, who is Jesus, the son of man, will sit on a throne and he will judge separating the sheep from the goats. And what will he judge us on, Fred? 
How we love. How we love. Yes. I think I'm not going to get on a soapbox topic of this because I think this can get very controversial, but he judges us on our works. Mm. So I'm, I won't get into faith versus works. but And even, I would add, intentions in those works. Yes, intentions mm. in those works. But he is judging us after death in the final judgment based on how we live our life. And we see this um, in James chapter 2, verse 17. It says, faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. So a lot of times we have, you know, our Christian brothers and sisters who are, are non-Catholics who believe in sola fide, that you are saved by faith alone. And there's that question of faith versus works. And I think throughout scripture, multiple places in the gospels, very clearly here in Matthew 25, we see that, no, we're going to be, we're going to be judged by how we love, by Mm -hmm. our works. And so I think, um, I think in the blog post that I mentioned that you can go back and read, um, I talk about one of the greatest accomplishments I think that the devil has is making us not believe that God exists. Mm not believe that he exists and not believe that sin exists. Mm. But I think you could even say that one of his greater accomplishments is allowing us to know that God exists, but twisting the truth of God. Right. Did God really say? Yeah. It's the same old question. It is. Every temptation is that, Kara. Yes. Did God really say? Yeah. If you think about it. If you think about it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so really, like, like we have brothers and sisters who believe in God, who give their life to God, who trust in him. But scripture says in Matthew 7, many people will say, Lord, Lord, and I will say, depart from me. I never knew you, you evildoers. Yeah. Kara, the, I mentioned sermons about hell right. and a Protestant. And this was actually my first pastor, actually, Yeah. who I think is probably... If I'm honest, it's probably had the biggest impact on me than anybody, even now still as a 10-year Catholic, you mm-hmm. know. But um, he would point to this, and, and he would say, you do all these great things, but where is your heart, and what's your intentions behind it? I'm just going to read that passage, sure. because I think it's one that everybody needs to have on their mind. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven... On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, evildoers. That's just mind boggling to think. And and he chooses the things that sound like absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. Prophesy, cast out demons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yet. Their heart wasn't there. What was right. the intention behind it? Was the intention to have a product table, right? Mm-hmm. You know, to be the next big speaker, or was the intention to actually serve the Lord in the way that He's called them out of love, right? Which know. is the idea be- behind James chapter two, right? Faith apart from works is dead, and vice versa. Works without faith mm-hmm. is dead. So if we do those things without the heart. Right. It means nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I think we, we even see this further in the rich young man passage in Matthew 19. Um, he's, he goes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So it is an act. It is about how we choose to live our life. That is what we will be judged on. Because, you know, Jesus doesn't say, don't do anything. Just believe in me. Right. Be you a know, good person. Yeah, be a good person. No, he says, go. Well, first he says, you know, um, live out all these commandments. And he's like, I've already done that. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, so he's a righteous man. He's got the last seven commandments down. Yeah. And then yep. he says, okay, sell all your things, follow me. And then he's not able to do that. Mm-hmm. 
And so I, I think like we even actually get a point to eternal judgment right after this because he says, he turns to his disciples and say, says, it would be harder for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. And then the apostles are like, who's going to get to heaven then? <laughs> and then Peter steps forward and he's like, Lord, we've done all these things. Like we've sold our things. We've, mm-hmm. we've followed you. What's going to be in it for us basically? And it was a humble question, but like, mm-hmm. what will be our reward? And Jesus says to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man, already pointing back to Matthew 25, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, Mm -hmm. judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So we see that Christ is this eternal judge in the final judgment. Right. And we will be judged based on how we live our life. Right. And the 12 get a participation of that judgment with him. Amen. I think that's actually really, yeah. really beautiful. Yeah. So that is the, that's the final judgment. But then the church also teaches that there is particular judgment. If I could real quick as we sure. go into this, because sure. I think it applies to what you're about to go into. I love that question. What must we do to be saved? Mm-hmm. You see that a couple of places in scripture. But it, I think it, it's to your point. When Peter preaches his first sermon, it says the people are cut to the heart. Mm. Why are they cut to the heart? Because scripture, he's proclaiming scripture. He's proclaiming the word. What does Hebrews 4.12 tell us? The word is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to separate bone from marrow. Mm. So scripture itself helps us to discern what our intentions are. But what does Peter say? He says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah for the promises for you and for your children. And he's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit at that point, but repent and be baptized. Mm-hmm. Repent is what? A response. Yeah. Baptism is a response in some ways. That's what we have to do. It requires that response. But we also see uh, Matthew, uh, it's escaping me at the moment. It's early in Matthew. Matthew 3, I think, bear fruit worthy of repentance. Mm-hmm. Repentance requires a response. That response is the fruit. John fifteen five. Abide in me, and I in you, for apart from me, you can do nothing. You may be doing something. You might be doing good person things, but apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. Abide in me, and I in you, and you shall bear much fruit. What's that fruit? It's the fruit worthy of repentance. It's the fruit out of love he's looking for at the judgment, Mm -hmm. beginning with our particular judgment. Right, Kara? Yeah, beginning with our particular judgment. No, that's a good point, yeah talking about repentance and salvation. But yes, beginning at the particular judgment. So um, so we talked about the final judgment. Um, the final judgment is going to come at the end of time. And John chapter 5, it talks about, you know, that we'll be, we'll be raised again. So that's mm-hmm. actually pointing to baptism as well because ba- uh, St. Paul talks all, a lot all throughout his uh, epistles about when you are baptized, you die with Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's like the the image of going under the water and emerging from the water. You die with Christ and then are resurrected with Christ in your baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get to participate in in the good and the blessing of his death, even beginning in baptism. But John chapter 5 says that we will be raised, those who have done good, to the resurrection of life. Those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Mm-hmm. So that is the final judgment. Mm-hmm. But we also have the judgment immediately after our death. And we see this in scripture in Luke chapter 16, um, where it's a story of the rich man. It's not the same rich man from Matthew 19, um, but it's a story of the rich man in Luke 16, 
where immediately after he dies, he is judged for how he treated Lazarus, the poor man. And so we, we get to see these consequences of our lives and our choices and how we choose to live our life and our actions at the particular judgment. But this is like, I kind of struggle with this a little bit sometimes with the final judgment because we see our consequences of our sins at the particular judgment. But at the final judgment, our sins are laid like laid open mm-hmm. for the entire world to see what we did, how that affected us and how it affected our neighbor yeah because it's only at the end of the time that you see the full consequences of every decision you've made yes it's kind of like the mcu right yeah it takes several it takes takes many 28 movies to figure out what's going on yes and that's just leading to the next thing but but more importantly (laughs) to see those ripple effects I feel like if anything, like that's, that's motivation even enough for me to be like, okay, I don't want to sin anymore. Cause I know, like, I know what sins I struggle with. I know who I was in the past and to think like everyone is going to get to see that. Yeah. I, Uh, it's like a shame uh, just, and like a shame, but also at the same time, like a thanks be to God for his mercy of where I'm at now. But for the mercy of God, so go I, yeah. Um, Matthew 12, 36 Everyone has to give an account for every word, mm-hmm. every idle word. Yes. Um, which if you're someone that's prone to gossip and backbiting, mm-hmm. and that's scary. And I might be including myself in that <laughs> when I say that. I don't know. But that that is a little scary. But it, sh- it, it shouldn't be scary in a frightening way. It should be in a, I want to be a saint. Be I want to yeah. live the life of holiness. I want um the best yeah you know yeah especially if you think of it in terms of ripple effects because uh kara you and i we teach the faith teachers are judged harsher more (laughs) harsh so if i get out and say something really stupid it might be like what are the ripple effects of that stupid thing i said and i say stupid things all the time you know that (laughs) clara (laughs) would tell you we don't say that word mom (laughs) sorry if there's kids listening don't say that word I just said. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's all the time that we have for this episode. I think it's kind of ironic because we said that the title was like a clickbait title. Well, we just did a little bit of a bait and switch too. <laughs> we're not even going to get to the good stuff. This is just part one. Part one. Yeah, we're not even going to get to heaven and hell. Really, um, we thought if we just called it death and judgment, no one will listen. No one will listen. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So be a saint or go to hell, part one. But we're actually going to talk about heaven and saints at mm-hmm. hell mm-hmm. in part two. So um, please tune in and hopefully still talking about like the joy and the blessing and the needed contemplation of death and what we are judged on is motivating for how we should be living our lives as saints. So we just pray for you until part two, have a healthy contemplation of of your death and judgment.